0: Good morning again, Spring Meadows Presbyterian Church. Uh, Once again, this is Dave McGuire uh, bringing you Sunday School content uh, in this time um, that we're uh, experiencing distancing and and having these uh, two services. Um, I uh, wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, format that uh, Sunday School is going to be taking from now on. in response to uh, some concerns that we had, uh, we will not be moving it to uh, Sunday evenings, uh, as we've, uh, we understand that uh, community groups, um, some of y'all are uh, meeting weekly and we don't want to interrupt that. Um, but I also don't want this to just be pre-recorded me talking to ethereal you. Um, we want to create a, a, a sense of uh, involvement and sense of community. And thus, what we'll be doing from now on is more of a uh, panel format. Um, I'm going to ask uh, certain folks to to come um, alongside of me and uh, to sort of interact and respond and, and question and dialogue uh, as we go through this content, um, and uh, then. What we'll do as a corollary to that is um, we're going to uh, send out a list of questions every week uh, that will be posted to Facebook and, and emailed out um, that you can may briefly discuss with your family members or discuss online in, uh, in our um, forum on Facebook. Um, and uh, Hopefully that will uh, help us to, to feel more connected to one another in this time. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would help us to be bold and confident in what we believe and why we believe it. Help us to know your word and know you and uh, help us in this time to, um, to engage and, and be worthy of uh, being your emissaries, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Every believer confident. Uh, it's really apologetics for um, the, the ordinary Christian. Uh, Scott Oliphant, who teaches apologetics at Westminster Theological Seminary, writes that apologetics is premeditated evangelism. Uh, Preparing beforehand to defend the faith involves deeply involving yourself in Scripture. We saw last week that God has revealed himself to us in two ways. as Romans states through creation, so that no man is without excuse. And, as Hebrews tells us, through the prophets and ultimately through Jesus Christ, that is special revelation in the form of the Bible. Knowing Scripture allows us to connect Scripture, as Christ did on the road to Emmaus. Connecting Scripture allows us then to answer objections to Scripture, which we are sure to confront when we proclaim the radical and uncomfortable truths of the gospel. What we don't want is a full-throated defense of generic theism, If we are to convince a friend or acquaintance of the existence of a prime mover, or of an ultimate being, or even of a personal God, and that friend dies that night, they will go to the same hell they would have gone to if they'd remained an atheist. Apologetics must be steeped in Scripture. We don't want to, uh, we don't come to the the conclusion after reasoning and thinking and pondering the evidence that Scripture is ultimate authority. This elevates our reasoning, our thinking, and that evidence to the level that we are judging Scripture. We sit in judgment of Scripture if we can use our reason and evidence and thinking to prove it. Um, Now, reason and evidence may be used to support the ultimate authority of Scripture, uh, we pre, but we presuppose the authority of Scripture based on the fact that God exists apart from creation, decided to create, and then condescended to us in order to tell us a little bit about why He did what He did. And um, so, then you may be asking, if Scripture is the ultimate authority, does it need to be defended? Uh, some of you may have heard Charles Spurgeon quoted as saying, "There is no need." For you to defend a lion when he is being attacked, all you need to do is open the gate and let him out. And he is correct. The truth of God is not something that relies on me and what I know, as stated previously. Does this, however, alleviate me or you, for for that matter, of an obligation to study this truth in the way that God has provided? In other words, is it enough to simply state the gospel and be done, or is there work to do thereafter? And how does the Bible address this? we see this in the very early part of the Bible, that God uh, defends his glory. God came down to our level, that's condescension, to reveal who he is, what he's like, and what he wants from us. Um, Adam and Eve are in the garden, in Genesis, and the serpent is there also. And the serpent then becomes the adversary who questions and objects to God's word, God's promises, and God's authority. Uh, Let's look at Genesis 3 uh, very quickly now. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Satan here is the earliest objector to the word of God as ultimate authority. He tells Eve that her reasoning and her intelligence may be elevated in a place of authority over God's truth, and she bites. God's response is to defend his glory. He tells them the consequences of their sin, the consequences of Satan's deception. Uh, But in the midst of it, what does he do? He delivers the gospel. He promises redemption and deliverance. So he both defends his authority and proclaims the gospel. In the Exodus, we see it again, God showing that his word, this time through Moses, is the ultimate authority. Could Moses have walked into Pharaoh, demanded the release of his people, and walked out successful on the first go? Well, of course he could. God is sovereign. However, the hard heartedness of Ramesses was there so that God could assert his authority over the gods um, whom Egyptians would have placed above him. <clears throat> Pardon me. Moses was an inadequate apologist. He had difficulty speaking, he was timid, and yet he did what God called him to do defend his faith. Isaiah tells us that God is jealous of his glory, he will not share it with pretenders. He is the creator and sustainer of the universe, and any one or anything that human hearts would put in his place must be called out for what they are, idols. False gods offer false salvation. Again, we see God asserting his authority against those who would object to it. So let's re- read again uh, this week, 1 Peter 3, 15-16. Uh, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that, when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Looking at the context of the letter, Peter writes in a time of persecution and suffering. The inclusivity of paganism excludes the exclusivity of the truth claims made by Christians. Thus, driven from their homes, their livelihoods, and their communities, Peter calls them to boldness. He does not say, hey, hey, I know it's rough out there, so let's be quiet about what we believe until all this blows over so you can remain comfortable. To the contrary, he calls them to prepare to defend their faith. Farnham, in his book, points out helpfully, First, we begin the process of preparation with settled assurance. Those are Farnham's words of Jesus' identity and lordship. To honor Christ as holy is to set him apart in your heart. Knowledge and confidence are key here. Know who Jesus claimed to be and know that his resurrection confirms those claims. When God's word is our ultimate authority, Jesus is truly the only way to salvation. And if that's the case, we must necessarily share it with those whom we encounter. But preparation is needed. One doesn't go on a trip without making sure that she has what she needs in order to make that trip successful. I don't leave the house without checking my pockets for what? And I can almost hear you saying it through the internet. Phone, wallet, keys. And mask now, I suppose, as well. How do we prepare to give a defense? Understanding theology, doctrine, renewing our minds through meditation on scripture. You ask me how I know he lives he lives within my heart is a terrible way to defend the truth of a gospel. We know that our hearts constantly ebb and flow and our emo- our emotions give way to defeat and doubt sometimes. So knowing what God says about himself helps us to remind us of ourselves of his promises and those promises reassure us of the truth which in turn gives us the confidence we need to defend what we believe. We should also know what our conversation partner believes. To the best that we can, we should ask questions, listen, and process their thoughts. Be slow to speak and quick to listen. This is how we show gentleness and respect. We care about the person we're talking to as a person. Thus, we want to know how she sees the world. A friend of mine considers herself an atheist, so I asked her to define that, and she told me that she's never really thought about it. But after some back and forth uh, questioning, we were able to figure out that in her worldview, we all live in a cold, purposeless, impersonal universe fueled by randomness and chaos and that the source of any and all good is solely humanity. There is caring in the universe because I care, she says. With further questioning over time, it comes out that she also believes in karma. So in sort of processing what she said and what she believed, I I was able to ask her, okay, so this cold, purposeless, impersonal universe fueled by randomness and chaos will do good things for you if you do good things and bad things for you if you do bad things. How does impersonality know good from bad? The irrationality of her beliefs had never struck her before. And I was able to discuss that with her because I listened to what she had to say and compared it to what I know about the universe from Scripture, what I presuppose because God has told me it's true. Three, uh, we need to encourage conversation. Be winsome in how you address things. There will be antagonism because unbelievers hate the gospel. As we addressed last week, they are in a relationship of wrath with God and as his enemy, they seek to mock him, and by extension, then, us. Don't give in to the sinful temptation to engage in kind. Rather, be kind. Gentleness does not imply weakness. To the contrary, one who uses insult and anger in conversation is likely lacking in confidence in his viewpoint and needs to belittle you in order to bolster his point. The final point that Peter makes... Um, our final uh, points, rather, that Peter makes are directly centered on the heart and actions of the Christian. He addresses the good conscience and good behavior in Christ of the believer. Regular reflection, consideration, and repentance are necessary for good apologetics. Nothing will reconfirm a, an unbeliever's presuppositions faster than a Christian who lives in discord with what she professes to believe. If we are excusing our besetting or unrepentant sins, this will only bolster unbelievers who tell us that the church is nothing but a gathering of self-deluded hypocrites. We are the emissaries of light, rather, Christian. As Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians, or as some would say, 2 Corinthians 4, this is 3 through 6, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, like I said, they are, in, they are enemies of God. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Jesus Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Defending the glory of God should be in our bones. Everything good emanates from it. Why do we love? Because God is love. It's his character. Why do we care for one another? We are made in his image. We reflect the community found in the Trinity. How do we know these things? They are found in his revealed word to us and are therefore worthy of defense Uh, so that is all i have for today i know it's a little shorter than normal um, but uh, i'm doing that to sort of set up this um, uh, panel discussion that uh, that we'll have uh, in the coming weeks Um, i thank you for listening and thank you for your Uh, continued faithfulness to our church, Um, and uh, please uh, reach out to me with questions available via text or email or or on Facebook, Um, and would really uh, love to hear back from you. Um, Let's pray. Uh, Dear Lord, thank you that uh, you have given us your word, that we may reflect on it, um, that it would uh, open our hearts and reveal uh, the sin that is uh, in there um, that it will uh, bring it to light and help us to kill it uh, help us to defend what we believe god in a winsome and gentle way um, as christ did with um, uh, those who would seek uh, to learn from him uh, thank you that uh, we are uh, given this uh, scripture that you've condescended to us and, and have revealed yourself to us that we may know uh, more about you and uh, Please, Lord, uh, help us to boldly and confidently proclaim that to others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.